Gotham Investigations, and I'm Jeff Giordano. During my 30 years as a police officer with the City of Miami Police Department, I had the pleasure of giving my expertise not only as a police officer, a detective, but as the Miami psychic detective. When Chief Timoney was brought to Miami from New York, I had the pleasure of picking him and his wife up from the airport on several occasions while he was getting ready for the transition to come to Miami. During that time, I had some conversations with him, and I pretty much told him some of my experience through extra perceptionary perception. And, and what that is is uh, basically senses that are out of the norm. Uh, some people may call it the, the sixth sense. So when he got situated and he, he became chief, he brought me to PIO. And it, believe me, it wasn't for my wonderful sound bites. There was a local rapper that had just left a photo shoot. He went to a barber shop to get his hair cut. It took a little bit more off the top than expected. This robbery was off the chain. Four men entered the store, guns drawn, firing shots. Luckily, no one was hurt, robbing each individual that was in the barber shop. For a rapper to have his bling stolen, they might as well have just stolen this man's heart. But what uh, Chief Timoney would do, would, would, he would always consult with me on cases, uh, pretty much sometimes on a weekly basis, sometimes once a month, and he would want to see Am I getting any extra perception? Am I any getting any spiritual readings on these individual cases? We're talking anywhere from homicides to missing persons. But Chief Timoney never told any of the detectives. Why? Because he did not want to mislead them. You could have all the information in the world, but if you do not have the evidence, you cannot bring somebody to trial. You cannot find them guilty beyond a reasonable doubt with just spiritual information. You have to have the information that lead to facts. So it's all up to the detectives. And I can remember I was sitting in his office uh, one morning and he says, do you have any information on um, some of the things you've been working on uh, through the um, supernatural world? And he gave me some different cases and I said, and he would always tell me, when you're up here on that, he was very spiritual himself, by the way, being an Irishman, uh, very religious. He says, when you're up here and we're talking about the, um, the supernatural and, and the extra perceptions that you are getting, he says, call me John. So I can remember that morning, I said, John, forget about these other cases right now. It's not going to be a good day today. And he just looked at me. And I said again to him, it's not going to be a good day for the city of Miami today. I'm having visions of body parts for some reason and water and, and waves pulling up and, and citizens and, and a panic throughout the city of Miami. So he kind of looked at me with that face like, okay, go on with your business type of thing. So I go back down to my office, uh, sure enough, Minutes later in PIO, the phone started ringing off the hook. It was basically all the 
media channels. And the next phone call that, that came down there was, was Chief Timoney. I remember one of the other officers got it. And uh, was basically put Jeff on the phone. It's, 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 it's the chief. And I can remember three words that uh, John said to me. And basically it was, get on it. So what happened in, in, in that morning is a, uh, a leg floated up on the 79th Street Causeway in a garbage bag. Black garbage bags containing body parts were found floating in Miami's Biscayne Bay. This is a uh, horrendous crime. We're back at the original scene. This is about 13 years later to see if I can pick up any extra messages from the spirits. This led to several days of turmoil, uh, wondering is there a serial killer out there? What body parts will be floating up at shore? But you can see this episode actually on the first 48, it's called Body of Evidence. And the unique thing was that uh, a bicyclist driving by saw the bag in the water, called the police. So now, what are we dealing with? As the police department, we're looking at what is going on here? Where's the rest of the body? Sure enough, hours later, the torso and the head float up to, uh, it was Bayshore Court, a condominium there. This is the location where I conducted the second press conference. Afternoon, uh, police divers working with the county and the city of Miami discovered another bag of human remains, and we're confident now the identity of this subject is going to be revealed. This is where the torso and the head showed up. The, the thing that always haunted me in the past, and I kind of recently got a reading of what happened, was the eyes were missing from the head. And at first we thought maybe those eyes were eaten out by, by fish in the water. So probably one of the, the scariest moments is waiting for the rest of the body to, to float up. So we had an arm, we had a torso, we had a leg, we had a head, and then another leg and arm popped up. So what happens if you get two left legs? I think then, you know, we have a serial killer on our hand. But the body parts were consistent with one body. So the investigation led the investigators to uh, a Mexican bar on Southwest A Street. I believe it was 841 Southwest A Street, El Mexicano. This uh, restaurant was, was pretty much known for not only narcotics activity, they had an off-duty officer sometimes working during the night, but they would also uh, be known for its homosexual activity, and A Street was known for prostitution of male prostitutes prostituting other, other males. So we thought it was important to uh, add a little information in there for you sleuths out there. So why do we mention uh, the area of A Street being known for its male prostitution and the male prostitution that was involved in the restaurant? Forensic pathologists often state that homosexual homicides are much more violent than heterosexual homicides, pretty much described as an overkill, much more than it would take to kill a person. In other words, after the 
victim is dead, they continue to beat it, they continue to maybe sodomize it, they continue to cut it up into pieces. So in this particular case where you have body parts, initial indications would be that it was involving a homosexual homicide. But if you analyze and you have watched the body of evidence on the first 48, you will see that those body parts were put into bags. Everyone grows up thinking that this is out of the norm, so it's, it's horrendous, it's horrific. But when you look at it, we're used to hearing the word autopsy. So when an autopsy is done, it's pretty much the same thing that happens. But since you see it in TV, you think it's normal that doctors do it. What do they do on an autopsy? If your uh, family member dies, if uh, an elderly person dies, and they don't have a doctor to sign off on a death certificate, they have to perform an autopsy. There is nothing different that they do. They cut up the body, they cut the skull out, they pop the cranium, it pops off the head, they go inside zzz, with the drill. It's pretty freaking disgusting, okay? So what makes this appear disgusting is this happening not inside the medical examiner's office, and it's happening in a community that could be your neighbor, it could be a restaurant that you're eating at where this body is being cut up. So yeah, I guess it does have a little bit of that. But if you look at the body parts being put in bags, for you sleuths out there, it's not because they were trying to hide the body. It was just thrown over, I believe, probably in the area of the Venetian Causeway. They were put into different bags because the entire body wouldn't fit in one bag. The body parts weigh different amounts of weight. You got to carry different bags to your vehicle to dispose of it. So what would you have to do? Put it in different garbage bags because you tie these garbage bags and it wasn't a planned event. What happens? There's air in these bags. And because there's different weights and sizes in these body parts, that's what caused these parts to float up. One on Biscayne Boulevard, one on the 79th Street Causeway, one on another Venetian Causeway, Court Street, Bayshore Court. Because of the weight in the bags and the way the tide was blowing with the wind, of course these bags turned up different hours, a different day, a different location, even though we searched a vast amount of that area in the water to try to uh, locate the, uh, the body. So one thing that we never told you, and not even in the first 48, we never told you the cause of death, how Lapara was murdered. Why didn't we reveal that? I know why he was murdered, but out of respect for the family and the grandmother that I'm very acquainted with, we still hope that this homicide will be solved. No me voy a dor per pancito. Gracia, gracia, gracia. What's the reasoning for not telling the viewers and the audience of how this homicide occurred? Because only the offender would know the uniqueness in the way he was killed. Nothing to do with cutting the arms up, the legs, taking out the eyeball. How did we know from the beginning that it wasn't a, I want to say, a um, mafia killing? 
normally mafia killings make a statement. So if you're going to cut up that body, it's going to end up on the front yard. We thought maybe the eyes were a statement, taking out the eyes, but the visions I was getting, they ended up in tacos of, uh, of patrons to the restaurant, not uh, another victim or witness. You would usually get that in the mail if they want to send a message to, uh, you didn't see anything, did you? I mean, that would sure get me not to fucking talk, I tell you that much. But looking at the case for you sluice out there, those are little tips and clues that you can go on when you watch these homicides. So maybe down the line, five, ten years up the road, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, this individual will be arrested for another crime, and he'll open his mouth, like they usually do, to another inmate. And they'll tell him, hey, by the way, I killed an individual on A Street in a restaurant. This will eliminate a copycat confession knowing exactly how Leparo was murdered. The visions I was getting and the perceptions from my guardian angel, I was looking at the suspect of actually being a cat killer at the time. I don't know why, but that's the perceptions I was getting, an individual killing cats. And, and later on, um, as, the, as I expressed this to, the, to, to John, to Chief Timoney, he, I guess, relayed this information on to the investigators. And that's about the time that Luca Magnota, an a, um, individual in Canada that killed his, his partner and mailed the head and body parts to uh, p political parties, uh, was looked at as a suspect, and we actually found out that he was in Miami. We could pin him back to 2010 being in the Miami area. But I'm here to tell you today that that is still the number one suspect that the guardian angels and the spirits are telling me committed this, this murder. So the homicide detectives, they pulled video, and I'm here to tell you that uh, the individual that they observed getting in the car uh, from the sidewalk. It may have been LaPara, but that vehicle went around the block and came back. I can almost guarantee you that that body was cut up inside the kitchen and it was brought back there inside the kitchen area. Why? Because my visions were telling me and what further investigations did reveal that didn't come out is that restaurant at nighttime was used pretty much like a hotel. The back area of the kitchen had a bed, and prostitution, male prostitution, was bringing in prostitute victims there. And LaPara was giving a percentage of that money to the restaurant owner. This horrific homicide that occurred there, they cut up LaPara's body inside of this restaurant. I always go back from time to time and see if I get any new visions, if the guardian angels communicate to me on any different levels, providing me any other clues, but they don't. It still points to me that it's Luca Magnota that was the prime suspect on here. So I went back to the restaurant recently to see if I would get any vibes and, and I ate there again. I said, let me sit down and eat. And lo and behold, I started getting visions of uh, eyeballs in tacos. And not even thinking back to 2009, I realized, 
shit. That's that the eyes were missing from the head. My God, that is what happened with the eyes. They served it in tacos. Somebody ate human eyeballs. Probably at no extra charge with sour cream and cheese and all that guacamole and stuff. You probably ain't going to taste the difference, but somebody ate those eyeballs. And that body was cut up inside the kitchen, which tests were done inside the kitchen, and everything was washed up pretty good, and there were no signs of human blood, even though they would butcher meat and butcher stuff back there. So the scene was pretty much contaminated with, with bleach and, and cleaned the next day. So as of today, this still remains a cold case. One of the cases that have haunted me throughout my career that I had the clues and I had the answers from the guardian angels, but the detectives just could not put enough clues together to solve this murder. It doesn't mean that the case is not going to be solved. Uh, recently also I went back to the restaurant again and I seen the restaurant was closed down for other health hazard things. As you see, the restaurant has shut down probably for a fourth time since the incident. This time, the city has refused to provide evidence of the immediate threat to the life or safety of persons or property requiring the closure of the business because no such threat exists. Now, do you think body parts being cut up and put into your food is no threat to the consumer? I would say that's something to consider. And I was like, Geesh, let me see if I get any more clues. No more clues. I went to uh, visit the, the, the grandmother uh, again that I kind of um, um, took a liking to. She took a liking to me through the years. I see her a few times during the year. She always cooks me, I want to say, uh, papin. It's uh, a Guatemalan plate uh, that I kind of grown to like. So I went back to, to, to see her a couple days ago, and she's doing well. She's 90 years old. She still can't get over it, uh, the death of her, her grandson. Uh, she always gives me a piece of his clothing when I clumb something else, and I always kind of, um, you know, give her a scarf sometimes to wear when she goes out, uh, tell her it's blessed by the guardian angels, and she's, like, so happy to see me all the time. Lapara! Gino, Gino. I... But that's one of the cases that have haunted me, not only as a Miami psychic detective, but as a police officer, a case that in this day and age was not solved. La misma mierda, diferente día. <laughs>